Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! You know, last week we were in, or not even last week, but we started this series called Water to Wine because I believe that God has taken us from water to wine. That is his heart's desire. He wants to take this collective from water to wine. Water to wine, there are two separate things, which means he wants to take you into something totally different, a whole nother level. Amen. And, you know, last week we uh, we really like we really just got lost in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18. I want to read that in the mirror before we really get started. And the mirror study Bible says this in verse 18. Now we all with new understanding see ourselves in him as in a mirror. So the same way that you look in the mirror and see your reflection, we can look into Jesus and see our true reflection. Amen. It finishes out with the days of window shopping are over in him. Every face is unveiled, which means the blinders are off in gazing with wonder at the blueprint of God displayed in human form. The blueprint of God is Jesus. Jesus is the blueprint of God displayed in human form. The Bible says he is the incarnation of, of God. Amen. Amen. We suddenly realize that we are looking into a mirror where watch this. Every feature of his image is articulated in Christ is reflected within us. Everything that Christ is, is reflected in you as he is in the world or as he is in heaven. So are you in the world as Jesus is in heaven. So are you in the world. As Jesus is in heaven, so are you in the world. The last part of it says this, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, engineers this radical transformation. What radical transformation? This part right here. We are led from an inferior mindset. Oh, we're about to have some fun today. We are led from an inferior mindset to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity. Amen. I want to really just hone in on that. Inferior mindset. The Holy Spirit is transforming you transforming you he's transforming you from an inferior mindset to the mindset that agrees with your authentic identity your original identity Uh, we're not going to go there but you can write it down and look it up and meditate on it this week Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 Paul tells us that you were created before the fall of the world God spoke you into existence he created you and when Jesus redeemed us he redeemed us back to that state as if as if you never sinned as if you'd never sinned. Lindsay, that's too good to be true. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. If it's too good to be true, that's the gospel. If it points, if it navigates you in the direction that lands you at the heart of God, that's the gospel. Amen. That's Jesus. Today, I want to talk about the war of inferiority. The war of inferiority. The war of inferiority. The reason I call it a war is because Paul said it best. He said, you know, uh, when he talks about, if you ever look it up, we won't go there. But in Romans chapter 7, he talks about the wrestling, the way he describes wrestling with the sinful desires, wrestling with the old mindset, wrestling with what he used to do and, and, and trying to do what he's not supposed to. Uh, he, he refers to it, he describes it as a war. And when it comes to, the, when it comes to inferior, having an inferior mindset, it's, it's, it's a war. If you're going to follow Jesus, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, the moment that you the moment that you accept, you confess Jesus uh, with your mouth and, and accept him in your heart. It's not like it all just goes away. You're instantly able to avoid temptation. You're instantly able to forget your past. You're instantly able to eat Lucky Charms all day and not gain calories. No, it don't happen that quick. It don't happen like that. 
I don't know if the Lucky Charms thing will ever happen. Maybe in heaven, but you don't need food. So, you know, that's kind of sad. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. I love food. But but if you're taking notes, let me give you this definition of inferior. Inferior means of little or less importance, value or merit. Inferior means of little or less importance, value or merit. So see, inferior thoughts are the thoughts that say that you are less than your original blueprint. An inferior thought is a thought that tells you or influences you to believe that you are less than what God created you to be. That your life is worth less than what, you know, God intended for you. That your church is worth less than what God created it to be. Every inferior thought goes back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. The Holy Spirit reveals our authentic identity. The Holy Spirit reveals our original identity. Everything outside of the Trinity reveals to you that you are inferior. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you that you are, you are, you are, you bear the image of God. You bear, you are created in the image and likeness of God. Everything outside of the Father, Son, and Spirit will convince you, will influence you and convince you that the opposite is true. Let me give you an example. In the, in the garden, when, when, uh, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, Satan told Eve, you will be like God by eating this forbidden fruit. You'll be like God by eating this tree. He said, you'll be like God. And she believed it. She believed it and Adam believed it. And unfortunately, we are just like Adam and Eve when we too make decisions based off of our false belief of us being less than what we really are. Unfortunately, I'm going to say that again. Unfortunately, we are just like Adam and Eve when we believe something false and act upon it. I'll just shorten it that way. When we believe something false about ourselves and act upon it. Eve believed that, oh, man, I thought we was created in the image of God. Okay, well, let me, okay, if I eat this, I'll be like God. Okay, I'm going to do it. A lot of times we make decisions. We make decisions in our life. We base our life off of things that we, we thought God was going to do. We thought God was going to come through. Man, you know, God ain't, God ain't moving. I've been in this thing for 15 years. I've been, I've been 10 toes down 20 years and still I ain't seen God do something. I guess I'm going to have to move the hamster wheel. I guess I'm going to have to read more chapters. I guess I'm going to have to fast to get him to do something. We said it last week and we've been preaching it. Fasting does not move God. We compared it to the caterpillar last week, but the caterpillar literally, he, you know, will, uh, you know, seclude himself, remove himself from society, remove himself from the delicacies and and literally get in a cocoon, form a cocoon. And as he's forming a cocoon, the outer shell is falling away and what's in him is coming forth. That's what fasting does. It allows that it allows the it allows all the Netflix to fall off you. It allows all the, you know, it allows all the bacon to fall off of you. It allows all the Hershey bars to fall off of you. The ice cream, the catfish, the shrimp, all the sushi. Are those, those things bad? No, but your dependency on them, that's, the, that's what God wants gone. Why? Because our God is a jealous God. If he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have the nation of Israel worship a golden calf what makes you think he wants your dependency to be in caffeine Lindsay what are you doing Lindsay I'm coming for everybody (laughs) but fasting allows us to reprioritize our dependency on Jesus that's what fasting does for us that's what so whether you're fasting social media or different types of food or soda or whatever it is that's what fasting allows us. It allows us to, you know what? Okay, I've been, I've been, I've been, ooh, better yet, I've been beholding these different things. 
as I'm fasting, I'm going to take my eyes and gaze them upon Jesus again. I'm going I'm to focus my attention back on Jesus. That way, as life is coming, if it's, if it's got to come near me, it's got to it's go through Jesus first. Or better yet, as I'm doing life and as I'm going through things, if my eye is focused on Jesus and I can say, okay, Lord, you see what I'm going through? How, how do I get through this? How did you get through this? Oh, you did it this way? Okay, well, let's, let's copy and paste. That's all it is. That's all it is. You think about it this way, when you're car driving, when you, when you are in a car driving, whatever, whatever uh, your eyes are focused on, that's the direction you're going to drive the car. If you're focused on Jesus, that's the direction your life will go. Not saying it's always going to be perfect, but you will never be alone. You will be provided for. When the, when the bottom falls out, you'll be floating in, in the palm of his hands. Ooh. Shalabala. Hallelujah. But today we're talking about the war of inferiority. And like I said, Adam and Eve, you know, a lot of times we, we fall into that trap. But in the middle of Adam and Eve's delusion is the first time we see inferiority in the Bible. In the middle of their delusion, it's the first time we see them think less of themselves. It's the first time we see mankind think less of themselves. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. <clears throat> Let me get a sip because I can. Has anybody get anything this morning so far? Amen. Good. Verse 8 says this. When the cool evening breezes. Woo. We're blowing. The man and his wife heard the man talking about Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Watch this. It says when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God before they believed that they weren't like God. They never they never they never hid from God before that before they before they felt inferior. They never hid from God. I assume when God would come in the garden and walk, Adam would be like, hey, hey, there's Papa. And then they'd just have conversations. But once they believed that they were less than, then they're hiding from God. Why did they hide? Verse 10 says this. Verse 10 tells us why they hid. <clears throat> he replied, Adam said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Now, I was, I was reading this, and, and some of y'all, y'all have read this, heard this plenty of times. I've heard this plenty of times, but the Lord showed me something I ain't never seen before. The Lord showed me something I ain't never seen before. Adam never said that he hid because he knew he disobeyed God. He didn't say, Lord, I disobeyed you, so I hid. He said, I hid because I was naked. I hid because I saw my reflection, and I didn't like what I saw about myself. See, when God looked at Adam, God saw his reflection because he was created in the image and likeness of Elohim. But when Adam saw himself, he saw a distorted view. He no longer saw himself created in the image of God. He saw, he saw something different. He saw something that was false. See, sinning wasn't even a priority for him. What Adam was more concerned about in that moment was he didn't like himself and assumed that the father wouldn't like himself. And a lot of times we get, we fall into that trap. A lot of times we fall in that trap. We, a lot of times we do the same thing. We try and hide our worst qualities with the fig leaves of our performance. We try to hide our worst qualities. Even, even out when we're out about people, we try to hide our worst qualities. You know, we may, you know, we may feel inferior when we're around smarter people so we don't talk much. 
or you know we may you know we may uh, you know we may uh, project uh, our strength you know try to cover up our insecurities and try to cover up our worst qualities and Adam is doing the same thing I hid from you because I saw myself and I didn't like what I saw but before they sinned before they believed that God was withholding stuff from them when they saw themselves they knew that they were one with God and God was one with them See, that's, that's what inferiority will do to you. It will convince you and, and influence you to see something that is not real. To see a distorted view of yourself. To see a distorted view of God. To see a portrait or a narrative of God that is not real. And they saw themselves and they're like, oh, what is that? I don't like, let's cover up. Verse 10 literally said that we hid because we were naked. And unfortunately, church, this is the first time that we see Adam and God, and we see mankind in God. Because remember, Adam's the first man. He represents all of us. This is the first time in the Bible that we see mankind and God have two separate minds. Before he believed the lie, there was one, in, there was one accord. <clears throat> but this is the first time we see Adam and God have two separate mindsets. Let me explain it this way. God saw his reflection when he looked at Adam. But when Adam looked at Adam... He saw a false, inferior version of himself. The reason why is because of delusion. See, the definition of delusion is a persistent, false, psychotic belief regarding yourself, maintaining despite indisputable evidence to the contrary. Literally believing a false narrative about yourself despite all the evidence pointing and saying the opposite. That's what delusion is. Even though, even though we know Adam and Eve, we know mankind was created in the image of God, created not just in the image of God, but the, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. They were created in the perichoresis fellowship. But when Adam looked at himself, he, 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 he felt inferior. He didn't like what he saw. He didn't, we live in a world where a world will tell you, well, if you don't like what you see, just change it. Cover up, make up. Ain't nobody, I, ain't, I ain't coming for make. It's okay. I'm not saying like makeup's a bad thing. There are some people that say makeup's a bad thing. No, if you want to cake up, cake up. Put some sprinkles on it. I don't know. Do what you got to do. You're going to look beautiful either way. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, you are. All the, makeup, all the come up with a makeup line called fearfully and wonderfully made. And like when you buy the package, there's nothing in it because you don't need it. All right. Genius. Genius. <laughs> maybe so maybe so <laughs> maybe so <laughs> okay maybe so I'll, I'll talk to Kelly he might help me we'll figure out something but the entire fall of man listen to this the entire fall of man was a falling away in our minds from our true identity as image and likeness bearers of Elohim just like Eve we are all we all were deceived and believed a lie about ourselves which is the fruit of the I am not tree somebody say the I am not tree See, the I am not tree, uh, it's a system, or it can be referred to as the DIY, the do-it-yourself system of seeking God through self-effort. The I am not tree is when you're doing it, when you're doing the work, when your performance is, is what's going to get you close to God. See, we sang earlier, you know, you're beautiful. How do we know you're beautiful? Why? Because we're gazing upon you. But see, the opposite, opposite of that is, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. How do I know? Because I, I've put in the work. I'm bringing what I bring to the, I'm bringing what I have to the table. The I am not tree, it gives you and I, it gives us the opportunity to engage, watch this, an alternative system. 
whereby we have we now have to prove ourselves and to one another as well to our own ideas of deity that can manage and possibly master our own being and destiny independent of our source lazy that's a lot let me explain this way the i'm not tree it's a system where where you have to prove yourself you have to prove to god that you're worthy you're worthy of the anointing you're worthy of the blessing you're worthy of the church growing you're worthy of all that and you present it through your performance and I'll be honest, I, if, you, if y'all don't remember, I wasn't the best student in school. Not that I was an unruly student, just there were some subjects that didn't, didn't work out for me. So therefore, when it comes to, when I hear, oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta prove it through your performance. Ah, is, there, is there another way? Yes, Jesus's performance. And because it's Jesus's performance, we get to have mercy new every morning. Because it's Jesus' performance, the guilt and shame from your sin, past, present, and future, it's washed away. Not covered under a rug. Not thrown in the pantry and then covered, and then when the company leaves, then we open it, and then it all falls out. Not, not thrown in the closet, you know, and then when company leaves, all the shoes fall out. No, no, no. It's washed away. Washed away white as snow. One of the, one of the, in the New Testament, Paul literally says that your sins were nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross in the embodiment of Jesus. Listen, the I am not tree, it's the quest to prove your, your, it's the quest to prove yourself will now become your constant drive. You're constantly thinking about your performance. You're constantly focused on how can I get better? How can I do this? How can I, how can I convince God to do this? How, how do I do this? How do I do that? You know, it's it's it, instead of finding and celebrating your current state in fellowship with Jesus. The I'm not tree focuses on your performance. It focuses on your performance. Let me say this. Legalism is caffeine to your inferior thoughts. Legalism is caffeine to your inferior thoughts. I promise we're going somewhere. Legalism is caffeine to your inferior thoughts. Legalism, it's what all, all, all legalism is, is legalism is dependence on moral law rather than on personal faith. Legalism is a dependency on law instead of faith. Legalism is a dependency on your performance, the methods, the formula versus just trusting in Jesus. The nation of Israel, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, the nation of Israel had the opportunity just to trust the voice of God. But no, 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 we, we can't trust the voice of God. We need, we need rules. We, Lord, you're going to have to give us a blueprint on how to do this. And he gave the Ten Commandments. But in Hebrews chapter 4, the author says that they could have rested in God. And see, when you're resting in God, you're trusting in his voice. When you're resting in God, you're going to be like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to wait here. I'm going to continue to do, I heard Pastor Mike Todd say this, I'm going to continue to do the last thing that you told me to do. That's one of the things that made David so great. Yes, he slayed Goliath. That was great. I mean, if I slayed a Josh, well, everybody know about it. Everybody know about it. I took care of them bloodhounds on my route. Everybody know about it. You know, I'm just saying, that's, that's my giants right there. Climbing on my car. Anyways. <laughs> but what made David so great wasn't the fact that he slayed Goliath. What made David so great was the fact that once he was anointed king, he didn't puff about it. He didn't post about it. He didn't blast about it. He went back to do the last thing that the Lord told him to do, which was take care of the sheep, which was to go out in the pasture 
Have you ever been out in these farm fields that it don't smell pretty? It don't smell like, you know, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. It don't smell like, uh, I can't even think of the fragrance store or whatever um, with all the lotions and hand sanitizers we used to go to when, she was, when we were dating. But it, it don't smell like that. It smells good in those stores. It don't, it don't smell like, uh, it don't smell like Aeropostale. It don't smell like, it don't smell like bleach and clean. And, you know, we all put faith. When you smell bleach, you know, oh, this, this is a safe place. It is clean. It is all oh, disaffected. It didn't smell like Lysol. He went back to do the last thing that the Lord told him to do. He, threw, he disregarded conveniences. He disregarded, uh, he disregarded all the delicacies, all the puff and the fluff. And he said, no, I'm going to do the last thing the Lord told me to do. That's what resting in God looks like. Lindsay, how do we, how do we battle this war of inferiority? How do, we, how do we move past our inferior selves? Well, we rest in God. We trust and let the Holy Spirit move us, let the Holy Spirit transform us from an inferior mindset to a mindset that agrees that we are the redeemed of the Lord. We allow the Holy Spirit to transform our mind. And it's one thought at a time. It's one thought at a time. It's one day at a time. For some of y'all, maybe one hour at a time, one minute at a time. And, and, and it's never going to be a big, a big flashing notification where the Holy Spirit comes in. Duh, 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 duh. It is time to transform. I thought of a show. I'm not going to go there. The nerds uh, kicked in, but I thought of a show. We could have went. We could have dabbled down that road. But it's time to transform. No. It's going to be subtle. It's going to be subtle thoughts. When somebody does something wrong to you. It's going to be that thought of, hey, you know, we're just going to let that slide or we're going to move past them. Or it's going to be, it's going to, when we talked about it last year, one of the first series we talked about swiping, it's going to be when that, when that negative thought comes about, when that petty, petty, petty thought comes and you have that motivation to just, you know, mm -mm, we're going to move past that thought. Transformation is going to look like that. It's going to be one thought at a time. Or better yet, when, when, you, when, you, when you've missed it, when you have missed the target, when you have bombed really bad, when you, you know, when, you, when you swung and missed, instead of beating yourself up, hey, Lord, I thank you that there's always tomorrow. Lord, I thank you that your mercy are new every morning. And you're going to be like, whoa, where, where did that come from? That's the Holy Spirit. That's that transformation beginning to work. That's that inferior mindset beginning to dwindle away and that trust in who Jesus has redeemed you to be starting to come up to the surface like the like the caterpillar in the cocoon that's that's the outerness the outer the outer skin beginning to fall off I'm not, I'm not good enough no it's, it's starting to fall off I, mean, I, I didn't have the best upbringing I didn't have the best school and I may have dropped out or I, I you know I, I failed at this or failed at that or all that, that all that's beginning to fall away and who's he redeemed you to be? Well, I don't, I talk with an accent or I don't talk the best. Or I don't know all the smart words. All oh, that's going to start to fall off. And who he has redeemed you to be. And that's, you know, you're going to be able to walk in a room confident. Trusting and knowing that I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am right with God. I am right with God. Not based off my performance, but based off his performance. Amen. Legalism, it is the caffeine for your inferior thoughts, depending on your performance versus personal faith. That's what legalism is. Watch this. When you stress obedience apart from your faith, you're, you're in legalism. 
when you stress your performance, when you're stressing traditions versus just trusting in the Lord, that's legalism. That's one of the things that we have to, we have to inst- that we're constantly, we're constantly battling. We're constantly battling not to dabble into that, not to believe into it, not to create a life off that. Adam and Eve, they created a life off of what the, them seeing the reflection and believing that it wasn't the same as God's. And they created a life all that. And guess what? We all suffer because of that. But Jesus, but God realized that, hey, even though you, you see this version of me, it is not real. So let me show you what I look like. Let me come in the form of a baby. Well, he was God. He could have came in in, his, in, a, in a white robe and crowned up. But he said, no, no, I'm going to blow you. I'm going to show you what I, what I look like in all stages of life. Ooh. In all stages of life. Let me show you how humble. Let me, let me, you know, the, you want to talk about a humble beast. King of heavens coming in the form of a baby wrapped in cloth, laying in a feeding trough. <clears throat> Let me give you an example of Moses, or I gave you an example of legalism earlier with the nation of Israel and the Ten Commandments. But another example is when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the nation of Israel came up with 613 rules to follow the, the original 10. That's what legalism looks like when God gives you a word. How many times when God gives us a word, then we try to go and fulfill it? Will God prophesy something over you? Oh, man, that's good. I've been guilty of that. Man, that's good. Oh, Lord, how are we going to do that? What? He didn't say that you and him was going to do it. He's going to provide it. He's going to make it happen. But it's, it's natural for us human beings to be like, okay, whoo, I ever see that. Shala, bala, make you want to holler. All right, Lord. And then next you know, we're trying to get the loan to go buy it. We're trying to work that showers to go buy it. We're trying to. Call, hey, 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 so and so. You got you remember you got that cousin? Yeah, yeah, can hook me up. You know, Lord, Lord prophesied this over. Lord's gonna do it. So you know what? It's been 10 years since we talked, but, but we still in we still in connection, so let's make this happen. The nation of Israel, literally, God gave them 10. They saw the 10, and here's the problem. They saw the 10 and they're like, okay, th- how are we gonna do that? And they looked at themselves just like Adam looked at himself. And said, we can't do that, so therefore, let's come up with ways that we can do that. When God created the original 10, he did it to propose the question in us to be like, man, I can't follow that. How are we going to do that? And the problem is mankind looked at himself instead of looking at God and saying, Lord, how can we do this? Can you help us? And God would have been like, yes, I'm sending my son. But instead, through a false narrative, just like Adam, looking at ourselves and saying, okay, we can't do that, so let's figure out how we're going to do it on our own. Let's come up with our own way. Let's cover ourselves with uh, the fig leaves of our performance. Let's cover ourselves with the fig leaves of tradition. Let's cover ourselves with the fig leaves of this is the way it's always been done. We got to do it that way. And when you're covering yourself with the fig leaves of your performance, it does not shield you from the attacks of the enemy. It does not shield you from anxiety. Your performance does not shield you from depression. Your performance does not shield you from anxiety. Your performance does not shield you from worry. Your performance does not shield you from fear. Amen? Amen. Anthony Brown wrote this gospel song years ago, and I love it. It's one of my favorites. Literally, the verse says, or yeah, uh, the chorus says, you know, you did not create me to worry. You ever heard it before? If you ain't put it on your playlist. You did not create me to worry. You did not create me to fear. I was created for daily or for worship daily, so I'ma leave it all right here. 
But I love I love that whole stanza. But my favorite part is I was created for worship daily. So let's break that down for a minute. We're still talking about the war of inferiority. This is how we battle it right here. You were created for worship daily. Now, Lindsay, so you say me saying I was created to sing daily. No, worship is not singing. A form of worship is singing, yes, but when we, you know, worship is not just the part where we start in the beginning of the service and we're singing, come and behold him, isn't he fascinating? Beholding him, that's worship. And we, and you wasn't just created for worship one time of the week. You were created to behold him daily. And we talked about it last, last year, but in John chapter four, if you go back and look it up, verses 19 through 23, if you study it. But when Jesus says that the father seats those that will worship him, he's literally in the original text. It says the father seats those that will press their face against his face. You ever press your face against, you know, your significant other or your child? It's a, it's a beautiful moment. And the father desires that. He desires you to press your face against his. He desires you to press your face against his. He desires for he desires for for an alignment to come about. You know, I've I've never re, I've never realigned the front of a car, but from what I've from what I've heard and seen, you know, they have to press it in order to realign it back to its original created state. Woo! A lot of times we 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 we're going through the pressing of life, and we're like we're trying to bind it up. When God's like, no, this is me pressing myself against you, trying to realign you back into shape. Realign your mind back into believing that you are the beloved of God. Realign you believe to try to get you to believe that you are the head and not the tail. Realign your mind to get you to believe that I am for you and not against you. I will never leave you or forsake you. All that you're going through, I've experienced it. I can show you how to navigate through it. You are not on your own. You are not a ship left out to sea, lost. You are not forgotten about. You are not left alone. You are not deserted. I am with you. I am the line that is in front of you. I'm the line that's on both sides. I'm the line behind he's realigning us by pressing his face against us and if you're like if you're like adam and you're looking inward then you're going to believe something false but that's why we gaze upon jesus that's why we fix our eyes upon jesus and we said it last week yes you can't physically see jesus okay so lindsay how do i fix my eyes upon jesus well guess what you open up your bible open up the bible open up the bible and you say okay lord Goes, you know, I, I, you don't have to do this, but I'll, I'll give you a cheat. Go to John. Go to John chapter 15. Instant right there. You're going to see Jesus. You're going to see Jesus. You're going to see him. Just like you're going to feel good after a good white mocha brevet from Starbucks. Hallelujah. You're going to, and a piece of red velvet cake, you're going to see Jesus when you look in John chapter 15. You're going to read verse 16, and you're going to see where Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And you're going to be like, God. You chose me. You chose goofy old Lindsay. And the Holy Spirit's going to be like, yes, I chose you. John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me. I chose you to bear fruit. Not just any type of fruit, fruit that can remain in every season. On this side of heaven, we, unfortunately, we, there's no type of fruit. There's no piece of fruit, no piece of vegetable that can survive every season. You go to Walmart, you're not going to get a, a bright, ripe orange every month of the year. There's some months where they bright orange. There's some months where they brown as the dirt. And you're like, mm -hmm. let me come back in a couple weeks. 
But God said, if you, if you, if you can rest in the fact that I'm choosing you, then what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to engineer that radical transformation that's going to cause you to bear fruit in every season that can remain in every season. Lindsay, what does every season looks like? Every season looks like when, every, when everything is up. You're going to be producing fruit. When everything is low, you're going to be producing fruit. When the gas prices are high, you're going to be producing fruit. When the gas prices are you're going to be producing fruit. When you have a job, you're going to produce fruit. When you don't have a job, you're going to produce fruit. When everybody is clapping you up, you're going to produce fruit. When everybody is forsaking you, when people have left this earth, when loved ones are gone, still you will produce fruit. Why? Because you are resting in the transformation that he is doing in you. The war of inferiority looks like this. Who will you believe? We used to, I used to hear my mom and dad say when I was a kid, whose who's, who's, uh, report will you believe? For me and my household. I used to love that as a kid. I used to sit in that seat that Miss Ashley Center right there. And when dad would say, for me and my household, I would, I would grip my little Mickey Mouse wallet and Bob, I was like, this household, yeah. And I would think, I would, you know, as, as a kid, I'm thinking about our little double wide. I'm like, that household right there. We represent the Lord. I see where my kids get it. But now as an adult, I'm like, for me and this, this vessel, my household, yes, but this vessel right here, no matter what, I will refuse to be like Adam. I won't look at myself and see a distorted view. I won't look at myself and believe that God has left me, but I will look, I will fix my eyes upon God. I don't care what people come. I don't care what people leave. I will fix my eyes upon God. I don't care what the bank account says. I will fix my eyes upon God. I don't care what the job looks like. I will fix my eyes upon God because he is the constant. He is the true north. He is, he, there's nothing changing within him. It's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's going to be the same tomorrow. What, Lindsay, what, what about him is the same? His foreness for you. The fact that he is for you, that doesn't change. The fact that he is for you doesn't change. The fact that you were the reason he shed his blood on the cross doesn't change. You know, you ever done something for somebody and, you know, you, know, you, you, know, you and that person, you're good. You know, life happens and you kind of grow distant. That doesn't happen with God. Life may happen, but guess what? He comes along with you with, on the ride. Life doesn't happen and God's back here and you're like, no, he's like, hey, no, no, I'm still with you. You may be trying to do your own thing, but I'm still trying to stay with you. The war of inferiority literally comes down to who will you believe? Will you believe that you got to put all, you got you to gotta strive harder, you got to grind harder. Your performance has got to be spotless. Or will you believe that, you know what? All that I need is God. All that I need in God, all that I need in God is based off of Jesus. You were not created to worry. When God created you, he was like, all right, this is going to be a perfect candidate to worry. You know, this is going to be a perfect candidate to just walk through fear and be fearful every day, every minute, every hour. When he created you, he said, oh, I can't wait to fellowship with them. When he created you, he said, I can't wait to fellowship. Lindsay, how do you know he couldn't wait to? The Bible says that he's seen songs with your name on them. You ain't singing songs about stuff you don't like. Oh, I can't wait to pay this water bill. Uh-uh. Can't wait to pay this power bill. Uh. Nobody ain't singing songs about that. Come and behold him. Isn't he fascinating? You sing songs about stuff that you're fascinated about. 
Nobody sing the songs about, can't wait to sweep this floor. Can't wait to fold these clothes. Can't wait to pump this gas. You ain't singing that. Can't wait to change the oil in my car. You ain't singing about that. You, naturally, you sing about what you're fascinated with. Amen. Woo! And if he's singing your name, guess what, church? Like Kelsey said, he's fascinated with you. Even when you don't believe it. And that's what it comes down to today. Transforming from water to wine. You, you can't believe your insecurities. You cannot put stock in your insecurities. Well, you don't, you don't know all the things I lack. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because every, all the, everything that you lack has been taken care of at the cross. It's been taken care of at the cross. Where you feel you don't measure up, guess what? He measured it for you. He, he fulfilled the gap. He, he, he filled the gap. He, he, he makes up the difference. He's more than enough. Amen. There's a song we used to sing a long time ago. My God is more than enough. Yep. Maybe we need to start singing that over ourselves during the day. When you feel like you don't measure up, oh, God, you're more than enough. You are my provider. You are my supplier. You are my way maker. You are my promise keeper. Lord, you're the light when, all, when the world gets dark. When my world gets dark, you are the light. Not only are you the light, but you make my darkness tremble. You make everything that I'm afraid of tremble. Everything that I'm afraid of, Lord, is afraid of you. And guess what? If I'm in you, then it's afraid of me. And I'm just choosing to believe a false narrative and being afraid of it. Mm-mm, not anymore. Being transformed from water to wine, literally we are beholding Jesus. We are fixing our eyes upon him. We're not focused on everything we lack. Doesn't mean that you ignore the doctor's report. The doctor tells you take some medicine and take the medicine, please. But what you're, but literally what we're doing is our dependency. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Where's your dependency at? Where's your dependency at? Amen. Amen. Where's your dependency at? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. We'll read verse eight through 10 and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. I promise. I promise. Paul says this, he says, for it was only through his wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. I like that. Nothing that we did, nothing we did, salvation, healing, favor, righteousness, etc. Nothing you do could ever earn those things. Amen? Amen. For it was the gracious gift. You see that a gift. It was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. Verse nine says this. Ooh, this is good. I won't even do verse 10. I'll just do verse nine. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation is never, somebody said never, never a reward for good works or human striving. All that God has for you, it's never a reward based off your striving. We said it last week. How, then how, then how, do, how, do, how does it happen in us? By beholding. You behold what you become. See, God is the king of the upside down world. And in this, in this world, in this world we live in, we're rewarded off of our hard work. But watch this. I wrote this down yesterday while I was working. God's concern is not in what we do, but his concern is in what we become. For what we become is what we will take to eternity. By Dallas Whitworth, Willard. God's concern is not in what you do. His concern is in what you become. Because what you become is what you'll take to eternity. I'm going to say that one more time. God's concern is not in what you do. 
It's who you become. Because who you become is who you will take to eternity. Let me close with this. All the shots fired in the war of inferiority have less of a sting the more you behold Christ. All the shots that are fired at you from your past that the devil tries to throw. I mean, literally, that was a shot at Eve. The devil's like, you're not created in the image of God. Here, go, go, go do this, and you'll be like God. It's easy for, I, I'll be honest, one of the reasons I, I got off social media because it, as, a, as a pastor, it's hard to look at, you know, it, there's sometimes where the devil, I'll get on social media, and I'll see other churches doing da, 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 and the devil will be like, you ain't doing that. What you doing, Lindsay? What you doing, Lindsay? You know how to do this. You didn't do this in, in the last season. Why aren't you doing it now? And if I'm not fixing my eyes upon Jesus, then I'll be like Adam and I'll believe that distorted view. I believe those influences from the serpent. So finally, I was like, you know, Lord, we got to get a hand on this. So I had to take myself off social media. I'm still on there. You can still find my account, but like I only get on. I, at first, I wasn't going to get on at all. And one time, Kelsey's like, do you see so-and-so tagged you? And it was actually a legit tag. I need to go respond. So then I moved to, okay, well, I'll just get on at night, right before bed, see if anybody's tagging me anything, respond, and get off. Until I could get that better under control. But church, what, how, how, how willing are we to say, okay, I don't want to believe this inferior mindset. Okay, if it, are, are we willing enough to be like, okay, if that means I got to turn the TV off, I'm going to do it for a certain season. If that means I got to stop hanging out with certain people, okay, I'm going to do it. If that means I got to, if that, if that means I got to choose to not be petty when the, when the pettiness opportunity arises, can you choose to do it? Can you choose to do it? Literally, God's not concerned in what we're doing. He's concerned in who you're becoming. He's concerned in, hey, hey what, what type of person are you becoming? Are you becoming someone that bears the image of Christ more and more? Are you bearing the image of Christ from glory to glory to glory? Well done, my faithful servant. He's not saying that to the person that's indulging in every, in every desire of their mind, body, and soul. He's saying that to the ones that look like him. What are we faithful with? Faithful with looking like him, doing what he's asked us to do. We said it last year, but how, how awesome would it be to be caught, get, get caught in being like him, get caught looking like him, get caught sounding like him, get caught having empathy like him. God's concern is not in what we do, but his concern is in what we become for what we become will take. That's what we'll take to eternity. All the shots that, that are fired at you in this war of inferiority, all the, all the shots of your insecurity, all the, all the shots of the triggers of the trauma and the drama and the, all that, the sting of those things, they become less and less and less the more that you fit your eyes upon Jesus. The more you fit your eyes upon Jesus, the more the sting of those insecurities are going to become watered down. The more you fit your eyes upon Jesus, all the hurt and the fence, it's going to become more watered down and diluted to the point that you're operating in this new wine while the water's just sitting over here. You're on a whole nother level. 
or no, you're you're going from glory to glory to glory. And listen, this this transformation, it's not it's, it's not a one and done. It's a lifelong journey. Lindsay, what are you talking about? I, I, I figured after a 21 day fast, praying fast, we'd be ready, we'd be good. Ideally, that'd be great. But this transformation that the Holy Spirit is doing in you, it's a lifelong journey. It is a lifelong journey of you saying, okay, Lord, yesterday I didn't fit my eyes on you like I should have. And guess what? The enemy came in like a flood. Lord, today, Lord, I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, help me to fit my eyes upon you. It's going to be, it's going to be days like that. It's going to be weeks like that where every day, man, you locked in. You, your eyesight's locked in with him. Maybe the next week you're like, ah. you're battling the war of inferiority and, you're, and the war of the, the side of your inferior or your insecurities, they're winning versus the side of his grace and mercy. You know, you may be leaning more in the grace and mercy and the insecurities, you're like, ah, I don't believe y'all. I'm the beloved of God. And something happened and you're like, ah, Lord, I can't see you. And that's okay, don't beat yourself up because the devil wants you to beat yourself up. With, oh, you can't see God. You can't see him. No, but in that moment, that's when you're like, Lord, I can't see you. Show me you. Lord, show me your face. Oh, we used to sing this song, show me your glory. If you had to say, like, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your face. Lord, sh- remind me. Remind me what you did at the cross. Remind me that for the joy of me, you endured the worst part of your life. Remind me that I am the beloved of God. Remind me that I'm the head and not the tail. Remind me that you that you are surrounding me. Remind me. And that type, that, that's how you fight the battles. Henceforth the song. That's how you fight the battles. Lord, surround me. Remind me that you are surrounded by me. Just like in the Old Testament, remind me, Lord, open up my eyes that I may see in the spiritual realm and see that there is a host of angels encamped around me. Remind me that the hall of faith, every member of the hall of faith is literally in the, in the clouds cheering me on. The Bible says that the great cloud of witnesses, they cheer for you. They root for you. The same, way, the same way we cheer for our favorite athlete when they do something, or if you watch the Olympics, we're cheering for USA. The host of the heavenlies, all the great ones came for. They are rooting and cheering you on. And then this, in, this, in this cycle of inferiority, it's easy to forget that. And that's what the devil wants you. He wants you to forget that. Because when you don't remember that, you'll, you'll just stay in that kind of maybe state. Maybe God is good. Maybe God wants to love me. Maybe God wants to do this. Colossians 3 verse 10 says this. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you. You have acquired new creation life. Which is continually being renewed into what the likeness of the one who created you. This is proof right here that you are being created and to look more and more like Jesus. And as you're being created to look more like Jesus, you're given the full revelation of God. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, we all know it. For as a man thinketh within himself, so is he. For as a man thinketh within himself, so is he. 
So therefore, you need to yeah, don't 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 spend time meditated on all the insecurities that you're. No, no, no. You know what? I need to start meditating on what the word says about me, what the Lord says about me. I'm the beloved of God. Okay, I need to. I need to. I gotta think that. I gotta believe it. I gotta believe it to the point that the fact that I don't have to. I don't have to convince myself anymore. When the devil comes in like a flood, hey, no, 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 I'm the beloved of God. God will never leave me or forsake me. In fact, hey, 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 attack. You, you got to go through God first before you come to me. You got to go through God first before you can come to me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. This last one, this is good. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be transformed. Here we go. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you're transformed by embracing Jesus within you. You are transformed by embracing Jesus within you as your new life. And watch this and live in union with him. I'm going to say that again. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within. How do you embrace it? You behold him. You look and see, Lord, you're so fascinating. Oh, God, you're captivating. You get lost in his majesty. You sing until you can't sing no more. I was singing this song yesterday to the point that I, I was, my, my throat was starting to hurt, but I, I couldn't stop. Kelsey came home last night and, and you know, I, I, I wasn't feeling my best. She wasn't feeling her best. Liz, we, we fast and pray and we try, but our body's just like, oh, give it, give it, give it, give me the bacon, give me the bacon, give me the coffee. So I was just like, I was feeling it. And all of a sudden she starts singing, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. Instantly my spirit come up. I'm like, on the best day, I'm a child of God. As I'm, as I'm loading the dishwasher, I ain't doing nothing. Holy. I'm not reading the Bible. I'm like, on the best day. I'm loading the dishwasher doing chores but instantly my spirit grabbed on because that's truth on my best day I'm a child of, on my worst day I'm a child of God if tomorrow's a good day for you remind yourself hey, I'm a child of God if tomorrow's a bad day I'm still a child of God why because every day is a good day and you're the reason why I'm so blessed I'm so blessed got this heart beating in my chest no, it doesn't matter. But I mean, I, listen, I could do it right now. And, to the, and we didn't just sing it one time. We kept singing it and kept singing it. And finally, like, I had to make myself stop. But that, that's, that's, that's what that looks like, embracing Jesus within you. Embrace Christ within you as your new life, not as a life, not as a part of a life, as your new life. Jesus is, somebody asked me one time, Lindsay, why do you always post scriptures? This was years ago when I was in college. I said, because Jesus is my life. It's a very safe thing to say back then. But I'm saying it now. He's, Paul's saying, Jesus should be your new life. Everything that you do has to be filtered through Jesus. Not saying you got to post a bunch of scriptures. Not saying you got to do all these different church things. No, what I'm saying is, every ounce of your life, every decision should be made through Jesus. Not apart from him. Not make it and then, okay, Lord, see what I did? No, no. It's, got, it's got to be filtered through Jesus. And if it's not right for you, be okay with him not letting you have it. <clears throat> Let me finish verse 24, sorry. I got off. 
but uh, embracing the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in, there's that word, live in union with him. Union with him, with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Hey, for God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. You see that you have been recreated all over again. I don't care what the insecurities tell you, you've been recreated. You've been redeemed. You've been reborn again. Lindsay, you don't know what I did. You don't know in my past. You don't know, you don't know uh, the words I've dropped. You don't know if I, I've done, I don't, yeah, you're right, I don't know. Paul says you've been recreated. So that means all that stuff don't matter anymore. You've been recreated in perfect, perfect. Be perfect in every aspect of the game. You've been recreated in perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. You belong to Jesus. So to be honest, the war of inferiority, it's already won. It's already won. The battle's already been won. Here's the question. Will you choose to stay in the winner's circle or will you get back on the track? Will you get back on the hamster wheel and fight all the reminders of your past? Or will you choose to stay in the winner's circle and when, and when the past comes by, no, no, hey, no, no. That, I, that's, that's not me anymore. I ran into somebody at high school and we was talking about da da da. I was like, man, that was a crazy time. What? And it felt good for me to say, yeah, but I'm glad those times are over. What about you? And they're like, yeah, me too. But you need to start telling when the when the devil reminds you of what you used to do, when the devil reminds you of all the different things, I'm glad, I'm glad I've been recreated in Christ. I'm glad Ephesians, you know, quote it, quote it. And you, I'm glad Ephesians 4.24 says, I've been recreated in Christ. I've been recreated in perfect righteousness. I've been recreated in perfect holiness. Say it to the point that, to the fact that once, once the devil comes in and starts to remind you of all these different things, you believe it, you believe it without, beyond a shadow of a doubt. To the point it becomes second nature. Man, you remember, when, I'm so glad I've been recreated in Christ, Ephesians chapter 4, 24. Man, you remember when you made that one mistake, I'm so glad I've been recreated in the image of Christ, Ephesians 4, 24. You remember, I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so glad. Got this heartbeat, I got you in my chest. Repeat after me, everyone. Say, Lord, take all the competitions. Take all the distractions. Make your voice first place in my heart, in my mind and in my soul.